Good morning, Southwinds, and uh, welcome uh, to week number four in our series, Louder, where we're talking about rising above the noise of our culture, making the gospel louder. And as I have been saying each week, it is so very easy for us as Christ followers to allow the, the noise that is around us to become the noise that's in us. And that's not what we wanna do. We do not want to let that noise around us drown out that which really matters most, which of course is the gospel. Uh, Each week I've been telling you the central idea of this series is this. We want the gospel to be louder than everything else in our lives. And we talked about several things. If you'll remember so far, we've talked about stopping social distancing, which doesn't have anything to do with six feet and has everything to do with not letting lesser issues divide us, but staying unified around the gospel. We've talked about taking off our masks, which is about getting honest with ourselves and with God about our shame and our guilt so that God in his grace can forgive us and set us free uh, to help other people. Last week, we talked about living generous, others-centered lives, not giving in to the temptation to hoard, but, but being uh, the kind of people who just live to give, which actually uh, kind of turned out to be a more timely message than I could have imagined since uh, we all started the run on toilet paper this last week. Um, well, today's, today's idea is about where we get our information, It's about how we we take in the ideas that shape our thinking and ultimately shape our lives. And I wanna put it this way, we we need to replace our feeds. See, we all have feeds, whether they're news feeds or social media feeds, entertainment feeds, and, and I think it's really fascinating that they're called feeds because in a very real sense, they end up making what we feed our minds. And what this message is gonna be about really is our need to do everything that we can to see that the sources that we go to are actually sources of truth, not lies. That we need to feed our minds on things that, that build up and not tear down, things that lead to peace, not conflict, things that lead to reconciliation, not rage, things that, that lead to calm, not this ever-growing, never-ending anxiety. And it really has mattered over these last 18 months where we get our information, right? And we've all heard those phrases, you know, like fake news and, and the science, and we all are aware there are just so many contradictory narratives and, and sets of statistics out there. Everybody is spinning, everybody's pushing their, their point of view. But today we're not gonna talk about who's right and who's wrong, who's more biased and, and uh, you know, who's giving out the disinformation. Because if we're ever going to get past all the noise and make the gospel louder, we have to find a way to rise above all those things. So that means, I think, for us, taking all of this stuff, all of the misinformation and disinformation, all of the conspiracy theories that are coming at us from both the right and the left, and if you think they only come from one direction, you're really not paying attention. We're gonna take all the political propaganda and the fake news and the false narratives and all the deceptive fear-mongering, all the anxiety that we've been just stuffing ourselves with from whatever feeds we've been feasting on these last 18 months, and we need to find a way to replace whatever it is we've been feeding on. Whatever our feeds are, 
we need to be reminded today that there is one source that we must put in their place. And that is the only truth feed that we should ever allow to have absolute authority in our lives. And that truth feed is the Bible. It is God's word. It is the scriptures. Here's the central focus of the message today. To make the gospel louder, God's word must be preeminent, our preeminent and most listened to source of truth. So this is the fourth biblical uh, truth that must become reality in our lives if we're gonna make the gospel louder. The Bible, God's word, the scriptures must be our supreme authority, must stand above all other authorities for how we think and how we feel and how we act. The Bible must be our first and our last filter through which we receive and we process and we act on information. We should go to the Bible first and we must allow the Bible to judge all other sources of information in our lives. And it really doesn't matter where you're getting your feeds from. It doesn't matter if your news feed is Fox News or MSNBC. It doesn't matter if you've been you know, drinking at the well of Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. It does not matter what website or blog or influencer is your go-to. All that matters is this, that we make the gospel louder by taking whatever feeds we've been feeding on and replacing them with the word of God. Now, about right now, I'm sure there's a few of you in this room that are going, well, thank you, Captain Obvious. We're in church. We kind of know, like, that's what we're supposed to think today. But here's the thing. If we're honest with ourselves, far too often, far too many of us, we let other feeds stand in front of God's word. And if you're thinking, well, I never do that, then this message is especially for you because we all do that sometimes. So let's talk about this. There's three headings we're gonna explore together. The first one is, is we're gonna take a look at, at what the Bible is. And this is a, a vast topic. We could spend weeks of entire messages on this, but let me just say this, get this in front of you. The Bible is God's revelation and authority. God's revelation and authority. So as Christ followers, we affirm what Jesus has taught us. We affirm that the Bible is God's revelation to us. Now, this word revelation comes from the Latin uh, word revelatio, which, which literally means to draw back a curtain. It's a word that came from the theater. And if you can think about it this way, when you go to see a play and you're waiting for it to start, you, you don't know what the story's going to be about until they pull back the curtain, until it's revealed. And the Bible works like that for us. The Bible is the place where God reveals himself to us. God reveals truth about himself in the Bible and about his creation, truth that we wouldn't know otherwise. You see, the Bible is where God pulls the curtain back. See, the Bible is not a normal book. Christ's followers hold to a doctrine that is usually called the inspiration of the Bible. We believe the Bible is inspired by God. And, and we often in our normal conversations use this word inspired um, in, in a little different way than what we mean here. When we talk normally with each other and we talk about something being inspired, we might talk about a work of art as inspired, whether it's music or a movie or a play or a painting. 
We may feel inspired you know, by the magnificent vistas that we can see at the Grand Canyon or at Yosemite. Every once in a while, every once in a while, someone will say that one of my sermons is inspiring. Uh, but the Bible's inspiration is something far deeper, far stronger, and far better. One of the key passages about this truth is found in 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17. And many of you know this verse, and maybe you're familiar with many translations that begin like this. All scripture is inspired by God. And that's not an inaccurate translation, but I want you to listen to this. This is the NIV, uh, the ESV, and a number of other translations also do something along these lines. This begins this way in the NIV. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The ESV actually translates it, all scripture is breathed out by God. And when we translate it this way, this Greek word, it gives us a more precise understanding of what Paul is saying. What inspiration means is that God's breath is the source of this book. In other words, the Bible is not a human book. Now, human beings wrote the Bible, but, but only as God moved them to write. And that means each part of, of the Bible uh, shows us that the human authors, they were individuals with historical context and their own personalities, their own vocabulary and writing style. But God so directed the actual writing in such a way that what we have today is God's word. Maybe you've noticed this reading the Bible, this phrase occurs so often, the Lord says it actually occurs more than 3,000 times. Inspiration means that God used human beings to write the books of the Bible, but he was so involved in the process that they wrote precisely what he wanted them to write, what to say. In fact, in Jeremiah 1.9, God says this to the prophet Jeremiah. He says, I have put my words in your mouth. Second Peter Chapter one, verses 20 and 21 makes this abundantly clear, this doctrine. It says, above all else, you know this. No prophecy of scripture comes from the prophet's own interpretation because no prophecy ever came by the will of man. Instead, men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So the Bible is God's word. It reveals God. It reveals God's truth to us. It is revelation. And because it's revelation, it is our Authority. Now, I want to dig further into that because the Bible is authoritative revelation. We can know this second thing I want you to see. You can write this down. The Bible is our only fully reliable truth source. Now, before we go any farther, I want to ask a serious question. And that serious question is this Do you believe that? Now, don't answer that question too quickly. Again, we all know what we're supposed to say in church, right? What I'm asking is this. I'm asking you to ask yourself, honestly, do I really believe that the Bible is my only fully reliable truth source? Here's the test. Do you live like it? Do you live like it? 
See, here's the reality for far too many of us. We have worldviews and belief systems that have been formed in our lives far more by our culture, far more by our media, far more by, more by our schools than by the word of God. And many of us don't even realize it. We're not even aware. Our culture tells us, and you know this if you've listened, our culture is always telling us that there is no real and true, fully reliable truth source. Our culture tells us truth is relative, and, and then our, our culture tells us what we should and should not believe, and I hope you see the irony there. We're told there are no absolute truths except for the ideas that they demand that we believe. And the first step, actually, for many of us in this matter is, is replacing our feeds, is to wrestle with, with where we have accepted other human sources of truth that contradict God's word, and then begin to bring our thinking into alignment with God's word. Do you understand? Like, are you aware that we are all being fed so many lies every day? Lies about how we should think, lies about how we should act, about what matters and who doesn't, about what's right and about what's wrong, and a whole lot of us live a whole lot of our lives by those lies. And we should not be surprised about this. Jesus tells us himself in the Gospels that Satan is the father of lies. He has been a liar from the beginning, and he's actually very, very good at lying. He's always lying, but it's not just the lies coming to us, being fed to us from the outside. It's also the lies that we tell ourselves all the time. We lie to ourselves all the time. Jeremiah 17, nine says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? See, our, our culture is not a reliable truth source. Our hearts are not reliable truth source. Only God's word is reliable fully as a truth source. Hebrews 4.12 says, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. And it is so easy for us to be deceived by lies, whether they come at us from the outside or they come up from within us, the inside, that is always true. But maybe it seems for you like it has to me that in the last 18 months, it's an even greater problem. We're living just in the midst of so much falsehood. And I wonder, would you be willing to ask yourself, has the gospel been muted in your life because you have allowed some other feeds to replace God's word? Is your life being guided by ways of thinking and by priorities that you have brought in from other sources, from other feeds? It's kind of an interesting thing. This is not a new problem. It's always been a problem for God's people. We actually see this in the earliest days of the church in a number of places in the New Testament. And, and one of the most dramatic examples of this shows up in the letter that Paul wrote to the Christ followers in that city called Galatia. 
Paul had started a church there. He taught the people there and he, he grounded them in truth. And then he left to continue preaching the gospel. And after he, did, after he left, other teachers came in and they began to replace what Paul had taught with their own teaching. And these teachers, they told the people in Galatia that Paul's teaching on the gospel and grace was wrong. And they began feeding them false teaching that told them they needed to work, they needed to earn God's favor. And what's really interesting to contemplate is that these Christ followers fell for it. They began to believe lies, lies that, lies that subverted the truth of the gospel. It was fake news, it was disinformation. But they bought it, they fed on it, they believed it, even though it had contradicted what Paul had taught them about Jesus. This is what Paul wrote to them in Galatians 1. This is verses six through nine. He says, I am shocked that you are turning away so soon from God, who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You are following a different way that pretends to be the good news, but is not the good news at all. You are being fooled by those to deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. Let God's curse fall on anyone, including us, or even an angel from heaven who preaches a different kind of good news than the one preached to you. I say again what we have said before. If anyone preaches any other good news than the one you welcomed, let that person be cursed. Later on in the letter, at the beginning of chapter three, Paul writes these words, and I love the way the message paraphrase, uh, paraphrases. He says, you crazy Galatians, did someone put a hex on you? Have you taken leave of your senses? Something crazy has happened. I want you to notice three things from this account. First, just notice how easily the Galatians were deceived and were persuaded to adopt a false narrative. Do not think that we, as believers, cannot be deceived. It happens all the time. Second, Paul makes it so clear that the truth of God's word as seen in the gospel must always remain preeminent for us. We must not allow other ideas to replace God's truth. Paul says Jesus gave us the truth. So even if an angel from heaven says something different, the angel can't change the message. How much less should we listen to human ideas? See, it does not matter how educated the source may be. It does not matter how many people around you have bought into the false narrative. It does not matter how much pressure you are facing to buy it. It does not matter how much money or influence or fame it may gain you. It is still a false narrative. Maybe you need to be reminded today, if you name the name of Christ, if you have given your life to Christ, you do not stand above and over scripture, scripture stands over you. It is your authority. The third thing that stands out was what Paul said in, in, in chapter three, verse one, you crazy Galatians, you know, something crazy has happened. I mean, have, have you ever felt during these last 18 months something like that? I mean, what happens when you swap out the truth of God for something else? Well, crazy happens. In Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter one, verse 25, he describes what people do all the time. He says, they traded the truth about God for a lie, so they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself who is worthy of eternal praise. And what happens when that happens? 
Well, Paul goes on in verse 29 to write, their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. Sounds a lot like the world we're living in right now, right over the last 18 months. See, when you exchange the truth of God for a lie, when you put other streams, other feeds over and against God's, you get what can only be called crazy. So what do we need to do? How should we as God's people respond? That's the third thing that I want you to see. This idea is about letting the Bible feed your mind, heart, and will. We must, we must become people who make the gospel louder by keeping God's word as our preeminent and most listened to source of truth. See, whatever else we feed on, and this is in no way a call for us to live in denial about what's going on in the world. We still need to be informed. We need to to face the reality that is around us. But whatever else we feed on, we must see it and hear it and read it all through the lens of God's truth. We have to let the word of God teach our minds and shape our hearts and subdue our wills to bring all that we are into alignment with God's truth and to bring it into alignment with reality. You know, that's what truth really means. Truth is reality. And the reason our world is so crazy is we've left truth, which means we have left reality and we're trying to figure things out. We have to bring all that we are into alignment with truth and reality and only then will we find true life. Only then will our lives push towards true human flourishing. So maybe it's true for you. Over the last 18 months, maybe the feeds you've been feeding on the sites you've been frequenting, they have reshaped how you think and you feel and you act. Maybe you would even say they've kind of changed who I am. I become someone else. Maybe it is time for you to remember the reality that input always determines output and what goes in always determines what comes out. Proverbs 23, seven says, as a man thinks within himself, so he is. So let me just ask you, is it time for you to replace your feeds? Because what you have been feeding on, maybe especially over the last 18 months, that, that's just done some things in you and to you and those things aren't good. How can we clean that up? How can we change that? Well, quite simply, like I said, by changing the input. So I wanna show you one verse, and that's where we're gonna be for the rest of our time. One verse the Apostle Paul wrote. It's a familiar verse. Some of you know it. Maybe some of you have memorized it. It's Philippians 4, 8. And I want us to look at six basic things what we need to be feeding our minds with from this verse. Here's what the verse says. Paul writes, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, Whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So let me just ask you, what if that were your new social media? What if that was where you got your news? I want us to walk through what Paul is saying here and and notice uh, some important things for our lives. First of all, Paul is telling us that our minds should be feeding on what is true. Now maybe you read that, heard that. Maybe you find yourself wondering, well how do you know what's true? 
Well, the answer for Christ followers is you start by going to God's word. You start with the Bible. What does the Bible say? Is it true biblically? Because if it's not, then it's not true. See, as Christ followers, we believe that because we believe the Bible is God's word. And again, I think that most of us in this room would agree with that. But again, same problem we've been talking about. Here's the problem. We affirm the truth of God's word, but we end up feeding on so many other sources of information. Our input determines our output, and we end up believing and feeling and living according to things that aren't true. See, in other words, because our feeds are too often largely outside of God's word, we can theoretically affirm the truth of the Bible while functionally living according to other truths. That's why I said earlier that to make the gospel louder, God's word must be our preeminent and most listened to source of truth. Now, I don't wanna reduce this to seconds and minutes and hours, but it's still a vital part of, of the whole issue here. How much time do you spend every day just feeding on God's word? Now, you're gonna have to answer that question for yourself, but the statistics tell us the average person spends two and a half hours every day on social media. Now, a lot of you are going, well, that's not me. It's never anybody that I tell this to. It's always somebody else, right? <laughs> I know you never do that. This is part of the deception, right? We think we don't, and Satan is quite happy to help us think our two and a half hours was probably 20 minutes. But if you spend way more time there than you do here, some things are almost inevitable, aren't they? In fact, the younger you are, as a rule, the more, more time you will spend in front of screens of various kinds. The statistics that I saw as I researched this at 18, ages 16 to 24, nine hours a day in front of screens. And it just led me to formulate this question that I think applies to all of us. Do screens overwhelm scripture in your life? Do screens overwhelm scripture in your life? See, this is one reason why the majority of people who attend church, even regularly, have a difficult time articulating most of our basic beliefs. We don't know them. And the basic reason we don't know them is we haven't spent much time learning them. So I'm gonna be starting a new series in two weeks on the core teachings of Christianity. We'll talk more about it next week before we launch it. We're gonna be using the historic Apostles' Creed as our, our foundation. And I wanna tell you, I'm excited. I can't wait for us to, to get together and explore the beauty of God's truth, what we believe. A few weeks ago, maybe you were here, maybe you'll remember that I talked briefly about uh, what I call the cultural air that we all breathe. And it really relates to this issue of truth. See, our culture, I think you know this, believes that truth is relative. Our, our culture believes that the individual person is always paramount. Our, our culture believes that we only find truth within ourselves. And the truth is, many of us do as well. 
Now, I shared with you that philosophers and scholars call this belief system expressive individualism. And, and maybe you've never heard of this idea, these two words, but you likely hold to some of its core values. As I said, it's all a part of the air that we all breathe. There's an author by the name of Trevin Wax who explores this issue really practically in, in a, a book called Rethink Yourself, The Power of Looking Up Before Looking In. I highly recommend it. And I just wanna say right now, if you have ever thought, I have to be true to myself, or I will always be me, I gotta be me. If you've ever told a friend, you gotta follow your heart, or you be you, or you've told someone, you are enough, you have absorbed the ideas of expressive individualism. If you think that the purpose of life is to discover yourself and you discover yourself by looking within and then you're to express yourself to the world no matter what anyone else says or thinks, then you have absorbed expressive individualism. And again, the reality is that all of us likely have in some ways. We, we live in a post-truth culture where, where most of us believe, we really do, that the highest good is individual freedom and happiness. And we think that we are most free and most happy when we define and we express ourselves. I hope you understand as you think about this that this mindset always must put me at the center of everything, not God. It makes me the one who determines what is true and what isn't true. And I just end up thinking that I have to look within to find truth and happiness and fulfillment. And there are feeds everywhere telling us all of this 24, 7, 365. But it's a lie. It's not the truth. And it's the reason I'm just being straight with you today. It's the reason so many of us just cannot find what we're looking for. It's just at the bottom of so much confusion and anxiety and loneliness and unhappiness. And the reason is this, friends, listen to me. You were made for truth and his name is Jesus. Do you need to replace your feeds with the truth of God's word, the Bible, so that you can find and you can live in profound relationship with God's eternal word, his son, Jesus Christ, the Lord? Are you willing today, maybe in the days ahead, more than once, to honestly pray, God, where have I in my life fed on the world's thinking and missed your truth? Would you be willing to ask the Lord that question and then to listen to what he says to you through his Holy Spirit? See, it all begins here. You will not get anywhere until you feed on truth. We need to think on the things that are true. Second thing that Paul says is we should feed our minds on that which is noble. And the idea here is to focus on things that are worthy of respect. 
In, in other words, rather than feeding our minds on the stuff that makes us look down on others, the things that make us more cynical than we already are, we look for things that lift up, things that build up. Now, just be honest about this. Again, we're not talking about denying reality. Lots of bad stuff happens in this world. The Bible is very, very clear on this, okay? The world is broken. God's gonna judge the whole thing one day. No doubt there. But be honest, what, how much, how much of what you take in from your feeds, it just pushes you to get angrier and more resentful and more cynical towards people and institutions. What if you spent more time on information that that focuses on the good things that are happening around us? the things that would fill you with the desire to live a noble life, a life that is more like Jesus. Replace your feeds with what is noble. Third, Paul says we should feed our minds with the things that are right. And uh, by right, Paul is speaking of fulfilling duties and responsibilities. He's talking about feeding on things that lead to selflessness instead of selfishness, things that motivate us to serve and not just to, to take. What wrong feed might you need to replace with something that's right. Fourth, we should feed our minds on those things that are pure. And the central idea here is of moral purity. Psalm 101 verse three says, I will set before my eyes no vile things. And I had a thought. Here's a thought. I mean, what if you printed that verse out and you put it on your computer screen? What if you kept that verse handy whenever you're looking at your phone or your tablet? You see, no follower of Jesus should take things into their inner world through the window of their eyes, things they know are are vile. This word vile means morally depraved. And of course, the most obvious example of this would be pornography, But, but there are all kinds of porn, right? Isn't it interesting how we have come to use the word porn for all kinds of things that really have nothing to do with pornography? You know, there's food porn, there's travel porn. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And those things aren't porn at all. But then there are some things that aren't technically pornography, but they really are just like it. They're morally depraved, they're worthless, they're vile. There there are sites that you can spend all kinds of time just devoted to gore and violence. There are sites that some of us do spend time on that are just devoted to gossip. Nothing but gossip. And we feed, we gorge on it, don't we? It's a multi-billion dollar industry, gossip. There are sites, you know, devoted to pictures of people at Walmart. I don't know, that one might actually be worth watching sometimes, you know. But of course, when we're talking about this, uh, sexual pornography is the most pervasive. And, and um, I just wanna say it straight. If you feed on porn, you need to replace your feed. Porn is not harmless. It's addictive and it's, dist- and it's progressive. Porn will, will take you places you never would have imagined you would ever go. 
porn is degrading to women. It is devastating to young children who get exposed to it earlier and earlier and earlier in life. It harms your relationship with your present or with your future spouse. It is hazardous, toxic to your soul. It blinds you and it numbs you. It will bring you nothing good. It's vile. But I'm not saying this like to throw shame out on someone who's trapped. Here's the truth. The reality is that often we need help when we're trapped. We need help to find freedom. We don't just need people telling us to stop. And so if this is an area that you struggle in, if you would benefit from help in this area, I want you to know that we have places where you can find help. I would encourage you to get in touch with our Life Groups pastor, Chris Martinez. Uh, You are not alone We have people and groups that can come alongside you. You can talk to me. You can talk to any of our pastors. But don't stay trapped. Replace your feed. Fifth, Paul says that we should feed our inner world with things that are lovely. And the the Greek word he uses here for lovely meant things that are pleasing and truly beautiful. And here's the key thing to understand. This is not at all about the external. This is about what's inside, what really matters, and that's so important for us today because we're obsessed in our culture with the external, with physical beauty and wealth and celebrity, and I just wanna tell you, if you've never thought about this, you should begin to contemplate it. If you spend too much time feeding on Instagram accounts and magazines and blogs that do nothing but exalt the external, if you find yourself wishing somehow that you could look like or you could be like someone else, if Facetune makes you feel better about yourself, then please hear me, you need to begin feeding on Jesus, God's living word. You need to make Jesus the source of your beauty because he alone is ultimately lovely. Let me put it this way, and maybe you've never thought of it like this, but this is truth. God is the most lovely being in the universe. God is infinitely beautiful. Nothing compares to him. And if you, are, if you are longing for any other beauty in a way that pushes God aside, friends, hear me, it's time to replace your feeds. It's time to recalibrate your mind and your hearts. It's time to feed on true loveliness. Finally, Paul says we need to take in and think on that which is Honorable, this is in opposition to what's dishonorable. And again, it's so obvious when you think about it. We live in a day that just always, where we give honor to the wrong things. We give honor to the wrong people and the wrong causes all the time. I mean, just think about it. Think about, it. Think about the people that, that we admire. Have you ever noticed some of the people that get all of the attention? Have you ever asked yourself, what is it that this person has actually done of any value. I mean, we have people who are celebrities for no other reason than they're famous. They've not accomplished a thing, right? It's true, isn't it? I mean, you follow a lot of them on your feeds, don't you? (laughs) I mean, you can talk to the Lord about that later. I mean, but that's why they have all this notoriety, because we give them attention. 
And if you stop to think about it, what's, what's our honor usually tied to? Well, it's usually tied to something like success in business or they're wealthy or, or, or they're, they're really good at some form of athletics or entertainment. And again, nothing's intrinsically wrong with succeeding in those areas. But the truth is, stop to think about it, success tells you nothing about whether someone is honorable or not. I'll give you an example I ran across. Um, not, not too long ago, Gallup did its annual poll on the most admired men and women in America for 2020. And Elon Musk came in sixth, right after Pope Francis. Now, all that most of us know about Musk is his business successes, about PayPal and Tesla and SpaceX. I mean, we, we know he's one of the world's richest people. And that's gotta be the only real reason people give him so much admiration. And you can admire his business acumen, you can admire the, the successes he's had, but it's also true when you look at his life that in 2018 he was sued for defamation by a scuba diver who was just trying to rescue some kids from a cave. Same year he was also sued by the US Securities and Exchange Commission for tweeting false financial information about a private takeover of Tesla we know that he spread false information about the COVID-19 pandemic. We know that he promotes all kinds of conspiracy theories, including the idea that aliens from another planet built the pyramids in Egypt. We know that he rejects all religious faiths. We know that he's been married and divorced three times, and the news says he's now in the process of separating from the mother of his latest child. Now, my point today is not like to dunk on and disparage you know, a, a public figure as much as it is to make a culturally telling point. Despite everything we know about his character, people admire him because he's rich. We give honor so many times to things that really aren't honorable, to people who don't deserve our honor, and I just want to ask you, are you thinking about that which is honorable? Do you maybe need to replace some fees in your life? I want you to take these words of Philippians 4.8 in once more, and in fact, I would like us all to read these words out loud together. Would you join me as we speak out the word of God? Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And I really do believe that all of us should memorize this verse. I really do believe that it would do all of us good if we put Paul's words somewhere where we would see them like every day. It's time, friends, isn't it? Time to replace our feeds. Well, how are we gonna do this in practical terms? Let me conclude very briefly with three things. You can write these down and take them with you. Talk about them in your life group. Meditate on them for your own life. First one is this. It starts with God's word. We must be people of this book. 
We must be people who spend time every day feeding on the word of God. And I'm just telling you, I feel this as a pastor every week. I feel this, I feel this. I know as I preach to you, one sermon a day cannot counteract seven days of hours of social media. We've got to be in the word of God. We must not allow screens to overwhelm scripture. Second, for some of us to make progress, we're gonna need to detox. Now, you you all know what that means. A lot of you have done different kinds of detoxes. And here's the thing I'm saying. It may be for you that if you do not stop the screens, whatever that means for you for some period of time, whatever that means for you, if you do not stop, you'll never gain power over what they have become in your life. You need to take this seriously enough to consider this. And then third, for all of us, this is true. We cannot do this in isolation. So stop isolating. We need community. You know, one of the, one of the great ironies of expressive individualism, this incessant focus on the self and my identity and my needs and on and on and on, is that it has led to massive loneliness in our culture. I'm just telling you, the loneliness in our culture today is not an accident. It is the direct result of what so many people have come to believe. And people who, who give in to these other feeds which focus on self, they often ends up isolated. They often isolate themselves. And I'm saying to you, some of you will never get past all of this apart from life-giving community And if you don't know it, let me say it, true community is not virtual. You need face-to-face, skin-to-skin relationships. So turn off your notifications. Turn off your phone sometimes. I I just wanna make sure you understand this. You will survive, (laughs) okay? Turn those things off. Put the screens down. And open the word of God. Begin thinking about everything that is excellent or praiseworthy. Spend time with God, our lovely, beautiful Father, who has revealed himself in the glory of his Son, Jesus. Feed on him every day. He is your life and he is good. And so, Southwinds, let us make the gospel louder together. And let's do it for our good, for his glory. Amen? Amen. This is the word of the Lord for us today. Would you bow your heads as we pray together?